Welcome, everybody, to the Mongols Preview Show. I'm Steve Mattias with Justin Ashcraft tonight. We are sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and the Beautiful Game Network. Tonight, Justin and I are going to break down all the stats between the upcoming match between the Pittsburgh Riverhounds and the Charleston Battery. Justin, how you doing this week? I'm, I'm good. Uh, other than uh, a little bit of disappointment about the result this past weekend, uh, like I said on Twitter, but... Other than that, doing great. Uh, had a great weekend and everything else. So ready to go for uh, this weekend's game. Great, great. Good to hear. Um, well, let's dive right in. Um, <clears throat> start talking about some stats. Uh, so the Hounds are still holding down the fort at home. Uh, with the draw on Saturday, uh, we extended our unbeaten streak at home uh, to eight wins and six draws uh, on the season with no losses. Um, let's compare that to Charleston. Uh, on the road, Charleston has three wins, three draws, and five losses. So they seem to be a little bit more vulnerable on the road. Um, uh, what's interesting is their away form in their past five games. Uh, they've tied, lost, won, tied, and won. So they kind of had a little bit of a decent uh stretch there but those were against teams like Loudon and Hartford that they were getting their wins when they faced some harder teams like uh, Nashville they lost uh, they tied Charlotte recently Um, but they are coming off a big 1-0 win at home over the Indy 11 yeah yeah and I think I mean they talked about it on the Monday show they do have to go to Swope Park um, midweek here so that kind of adds to the drama for this weekend if you Mm -hmm. will Um, but I think like they I mean, Charleston, Charleston's one of those teams. I mean, they've been around this league for a long time. Mm-hmm. They know, you know, uh, their coach has been in Charleston for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, you know, they know this league. They know how to play in this mm-hmm. league. Um, so despite kind of the, the uh, you know, their form over the past, you know, over the past couple games away and, and the fact that they have midweek games, I mean, I trust this team's going to come in ready on, on Saturday night, but we'll, we'll see, you know, I mean, it's tough to play three games in a week as we've seen this season. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely an interesting thing to kind of look at it and be like, well, we haven't lost at home. Um, so hopefully that streak will continue. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and so, uh, Mike, Kevin, Josh talked about this a little bit uh, on the recap show from uh, Saturday, uh, but that coming into this game, we're uh, competing for the Old Guard Shield. Um, So I know we probably have some listeners that may not know what that is. Justin, could you tell our listeners what the Old Guard Shield is? Yeah, I mean, basically, so the Old Guard Shield was a uh, competition that was put in a while ago um, for kind of the original teams that were in the USL when the USL started. So um, you're looking at teams like Pittsburgh, uh, Harrisburg, or Penn FC. Uh, you're looking at Rochester, uh, Charleston, and... I think that's it, isn't it? Five? Did I name five? You did, yeah. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Harrisburg, Rochester, Charleston. Yeah, okay. Um, and so, basically, the, the the fact of the matter is kind of the only two teams left are us and Charleston mm-hmm. um, in... And so it's kind of been uh, it's kind of been deemed that um, once the Rochester and Penn FC once they oh Richmond was the other team that was the ah, team that yeah was we missed team. Richmond I was picturing um, them <laughs> so we were thinking about uh, so thinking about that um, when Rochester and Penn FC kind of come back in League One um, it's kind of deemed that the um, Old Guard Shield will go to the league that has the most teams in it which will seem to be League One. Uh, it might hang around in uh, 
in the championship for next year based on the fact that it doesn't look like Rochester and Penn FC are going to come back for next year. But right. we'll kind of see what happens in that situation mm-hmm. and go with what kind of ends up there. Yeah, but regardless, this could be the last time or second to last time that we win it, at least in a while. So uh, sure. add some drama and some history to the matchup as well. Yeah, and I think those those competitions just make it fun for supporter groups to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was a supporter group started award um kind of plaque that has been circulating and so it's just fun to think like okay like we kind of have something over you know charleston supporters group so uh it's a good good thing for the steel army to kind of be invested in over the course of seasons yeah and i believe the uh charleston game that we drew 2-2 there uh was a watch party at smoke and joe's and so we had this uh old guard shield sitting up in the corner as we watched that game down there uh earlier in the season so it's kind of cool uh anybody that was there got a chance to see it Yep. Yep. So, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the matchup between these two teams. Um, And so when we're talking about Charleston, uh, they've given up 35 goals. Uh, That's an average of 1.4 goals per game. That ranks 23rd out of the 36 teams in the championship. Um, And they've only kept their opponent's scores five times this season. Yeah. I mean, I think, and then you look at their keeper. So Joe Kuzminski, um, is their keeper. Um, he's made an average of 2.7 saves a game, um, so about three. Uh, he is on the team of the week this past year, that what, last week. So um, you're talking about that big 1-0 win over Indy 11. Like, they were down a player for a majority of that game, um, mm-hmm. and Kaminsky just stood on his head basically for 60, 50, 60 minutes, something like that, that um, was able to keep Indy off the score sheet. So... Um, I think we're facing another. Uh, we're facing a good keeper. Um, maybe not as good of a defense as we faced last mm-hmm. week, but um, we're facing a good keeper. So it kind of depends based on the fact that they've given up a decent amount of goals. It's still, um, if if Kaminsky has a good game, then it might be a. It might be a tough to score, but it might be easy to score too, depending on his game. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing to keep in mind, he's going to, in all likelihood, probably have already pay, played 180 minutes in a week leading up to this. So, I mean, for any player, that can be taxing. And for a goalkeeper especially, I mean, they're on the field the whole time. I doubt any other player is going to be playing a full 270 minutes this week uh, for uh, for yeah. Charleston. Yep. I mean, based on the fact that they're going to Swope Park this week, I doubt he'll he might he may not play that game. Uh, their backup may play that game, but we'll see. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, my only thing is, is their backup. He's played one game this season, so yeah. um, I didn't go all the way back to find out where that was and if there was something going on with that. But um, that definitely means that he is the clear number one, um, and the backup yep. is there specifically when they either need to do something different um, or for an injury or something like that. So, yeah. Um, Okay, and only four teams have let up less goals than the 28 that the Hounds have. Um, So our defense is still holding strong. Um, uh, We had a great, solid defensive performance uh, by the Hounds on Saturday night. Um, That gave us our 11th clean sheet of the season, and that's our third clean sheet in a row. That's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, it definitely means we're playing better um, over the last couple weeks and and months. Um, I just looked at something just to kind of compare to what has been happening. Um, We had 26 goals against last year. So, I mean, our defense, I mean, our defense was absolutely incredible. Um, You know, Dan Lind was was good last Mm -hmm. year. Um, So we had 26 goals against last year. We already have two more than that this year. Um, But we had a 21 
a plus 21 goal differential last year. Right now we're sitting at plus 20. Um, so though we've we've given up more, you know, two more goals than we did all of last year, we also um, haven't, you know, we've scored more. So our goal differential is kind of even. And mm-hmm. then another kind of stat in there that was interesting to me, we had 17 clean sheets all of last year. Mm-hmm. We have 11 this year. Um, and we still have eight to play. So if we get a couple in there, I think we're sitting at maybe two or three less than what we did last year. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think there was a lot that played into that. You know, we had the couple crazy games um, where we gave up a lot of goals. Kyle didn't start all that well, um, mm-hmm. but has seemed to turn it around. So I don't, I don't think, I think we talked about last week, can we statistically prove that this year's team is better than last year? I think we're starting to see that. Yeah. Um, that though we have don't have the number of clean sheets, um, I think we are trending in the right direction. I'd agree 100%. Um, and and I guess that's the point where we, we do our weekly reminder that uh, this team looks a heck of a lot better if we remove the first few games of the season and we take away that uh, North Carolina game, those aberrations in our minds. So <laughs> maybe that's yeah, just yeah. being really wishful thinking and uh, <laughs> we got to look at the season as a whole a little bit more. But hey, um, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, this team, uh, I think we're seeing the capacity of what this team has especially defensively right now a lot more than we did earlier in the season yeah yeah for sure for sure I think this team is is good and and we're not you know we're not any worse than what we were last mm-hmm. year and I don't think we were bad last year so I think we're a pretty good team and I think we're continuing to prove that I think if we can kind of finish the season pretty strong I think we'll continue to do that um you know quite a bit mm-hmm. yeah um so one other thing that I thought was interesting as I was looking through uh this week's matchup uh neither of these teams tend to commit a lot of fouls overall uh both teams rank in the bottom third for fouls uh, committed uh, on the season um however the hounds have a clear advantage on the discipline sheet um the hounds have the lowest overall card count in the league um three reds and 32 yellows um uh, and charleston on the other hand um it's had its name in in the ref's book uh, a lot more frequently. Uh, They've received 45 yellow cards and six red cards. Um, That six red cards is tied for third most in the league. So there's only two teams above them. There are a couple other teams at six as well. Yeah, I think this is just interesting to me because I think it just shows like Bob Lilly is known for discipline and playing disciplined soccer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Mike Anhauser is the same way. I mean, they are not, they're not, coaches that are going to give up a whole lot of fouls they're not they're coaches who are experienced they know what they're doing they know this league well Mm -hmm. so they're not going to put players in a position where they're going to be able to commit a lot of fouls now it looks like charleston when they do commit fouls they're a little bit more heinous than Mm -hmm. what ours are but um i think it is interesting it just shows the discipline that these coaches have um and how well they know the league and stuff yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we've been doing the past few weeks, we've been talking about key players to watch. Um, uh, unfortunately, with Charleston, nobody really stands out uh, other than uh, their keeper, Kuzminski. Um, so I don't really have much to say about that. But I think there are some interesting things that you were able to figure out about a couple Hounds players. Yeah, I think we've been talking. So we've been talking. We've been doing this for several weeks, and the guys have been talking on Monday night. Like, oh my gosh, these guys actually do their homework. Um, yeah, so we do our homework. I can't. I'm not going to tell you how much that is, or act like we do a ton of homework. But 
We do homework. Well, I will uh, say, and maybe this is my stat of the week, that our homework is infinitely more than what their homework is. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's a very true statement. Anything um, times zero, <laughs> we're going to yeah, beat yeah. them out, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think that's, uh, I think that's a case of... Uh, anyway, so I did some homework. I, I, over the past couple of weeks, as I've thought about, we can continue to kind of dive into these stats. But sometimes when we look at stats... Stats lie. We've talked about that. We've mm-hmm. talked about how, like, sometimes when you look at stats, they're not contextualized. You don't really understand them. So it's easy to look at other teams and go, okay, here's the stats. But that might be false. That might include these apparitions. Like, it just might not whatever. So um, we talked about Kenny Forbes last week and kind of his impact on the way that the, that the Riverhounds play and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to take, kind of look at the young guns. Um, when we look at Robbie Mertz, we look at Anthony Velarde. I think these guys are incredible. Um, we've seen it, we know it, uh, from looking at it, but I just wanted to pull out the stats to kind of show it. You know, the guys have talked about it on Monday night a bunch, um, and I just kind of want to pull out the stats to show it. So, Robbie Mertz, let's start there. Mm-hmm. 571 passes in 1,200 minutes, but an 83% success rate. Like, he's hitting 571 passes, but hitting it at an 83% success rate. He has 18 key passes on the season with three assists. He has 10 shots on target and six goals with a 43% conversion rate. Now, all of that might just be stats, but I would just mm-hmm. wanted to contextualize it just a little bit. So Kenny Forbes has the same number of goals and assists. Uh, he has seven assists and two goals. Uh, Robbie has six goals and three assists. So a little bit of different ratio, but he has the same number of goals, has had his hand in the same number mm-hmm. of goals as Robbie has. In a, Robbie has a thousand less minutes than what Kenny does. Kenny has 2,200 minutes on the season. Robbie has 1,200. That's incredible to me. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I mean, they definitely play a little bit of a different type of role on the team. I mean, Robbie's getting forward a little bit more. Um, But still, I mean, these are guys that I think, at the end of the day, um, pretty good analogies for playing as midfielders that get on the ball quite a bit when they're in the game. And so I think there's a good comparison there. Um, And that makes me hopeful for the future. I mean, uh, Kenny Forbes is not going to be uh, with uh, the hounds for forever. Um, I mean, at some point he's going to have to retire, right? Um, hopefully not anytime soon. Cause he still looks sharp. Um, but what does that look like for us to find players now that might be one of those players? That's a key player in the future. Like Kenny is for us. Mm-hmm. And then Anthony Velarde. So another player, another young guy. Um, and I just wanted to kind of pull out some of his stats. So he has the 335 passes, um, in 890 minutes on the field. So he's had about 400 less minutes than what, um, Robbie Mertz has had has about 200 less passes. Mm-hmm. Um, he's completing those passes at a 78% success rate. So I think both of them um, are hitting good passes mm-hmm. and they're hitting passes in the right, like they're hitting them to the right people and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Anthony has 20 key passes uh, and three assists. So both Robbie and Anthony have three assists. Um, Anthony has five shots on target and three goals. Um, that gives him, uh, with his other shots, uh, that gives him a 27% conversion rate. Um, and, and just to contextualize that a little bit, just to show, that's two less goals that he's had his hand in than Kevin Kerr. Kevin Kerr has five goals, three assists, so 800 or eight uh, goals that he's kind of had his hand in. Anthony has six. But he's played, Anthony has played 700 less minutes than Kevin has on the field this year. So I just think, like, 
I just wanted to kind of pull out those stats mm-hmm. because I think we talk about a lot what we feel about both Anthony and Robbie. Mm-hmm. But, like, this just shows how good they actually are and how good that they've kind of made themselves be in the USL this year. Um, and so I really hope, I mean, I think you said it, I really hope both of them stick around for mm-hmm. a little bit of time. Yeah, so one of my questions that I have for you um, mm-hmm. is, do you think that these numbers that we're seeing from these guys are because these guys are just so talented or that Lily's putting them in situations they can thrive coming in as subs or things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I would say it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Anthony Velarde, um, if you know his history a little bit, was kind of in Fresno FC's kind of area um, Fresno had kind of looked at him. He was around that team, even as he went to school and different things like that. And I think that there was, there was a big kind of shock, uh, around kind of the Fresno FC team that they didn't sign him out mm-hmm. of college, that it wasn't like, Oh, you're coming out of college. Great. Come play for us. Um, and so I think that that just shows his talent. And then Robbie Mertz is playing at a Michigan team that plays in the Big Ten. That's mm-hmm. a good That's a good soccer conference. Not the best, but that's a good soccer conference. And so I think you're looking at a, a, a player who plays well, who has, uh, you know, shown well um, in that area of the country mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it is a little bit. Both of them are extremely talented. Um, both of them work very hard on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can see that by the way that they play. And then I think also it's it's the situations where they play in. Some sometimes these guys are getting in late in games. They're coming in for Kevin or Kenny or somebody, mm-hmm. and they're able to kind of assert themselves in the game because everyone else on the field is tired and they're coming in and just running around like crazy. So I think both of them, um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I just want to say, kind of in that, is the guys were talking about on Monday night. They were talking about Kevin was talking about this idea that like. He's not scared of either kind of way that people could come in and play. That they could come in and kind of attack, attack, mm-hmm. attack. And we could go on the counter and just kind of play on the counter. And so we can like bunker in a little bit and then we can just play on the counter. And we're pretty good at that. We're also pretty good at just kind of putting our foot down on the game and kind of playing, uh, you know, playing on the front foot most of the game and all that kind of stuff. I think that's an attribute to both of these guys. Mm-hmm. That I think when a team comes in and wants to, to bunker or whether we go somewhere or a team comes in and wants to bunker, we have these guys who will be kind of relentless in the way they attack and, and creative in the way they attack. And they both hit really good passes and all of that kind of stuff. So I think that's our key. That's one of the keys that shows that we can unlock a bunker defense, but also these guys are quick. They, they run well, they get positioned well. And so I think when we go on the attack or like when we have to play that countering game, these guys can get up the field, and I think we've seen that several times with Anthony especially, is when we get out on the counter and he starts getting his wheels going a little bit, he's as fast as anybody in the league. So I think he can kind of um, provide some of that spring when we have to play on the counter. So I think that this, that being able to play both those styles of soccer I think is it a tribute to these guys and what they've kind of provided. What do you think about that? Like, what do you think, what is it that has made these guys successful? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little different for each of them. Um, I think for Robbie, I think it is just his work ethic and his talent um, uh, because he's had a lot of opportunities to be playing 60, 70, 80, 90 minutes uh, throughout the course of the season, starting a lot of games. Um, so I think what we're seeing with Robbie is that he can 
do that, not just when he's put in a position where uh, he's tasked with doing something specific on the offensive side of the field. Um, uh, he's ranging, playing kind of that classical box-to-box midfielder a lot of the times, uh, coming back on defense more, popping up in all sorts of areas, uh, or moving forward and finding some of those late runs. And I think that's why he's been so good with his conversion rate. Um when he is getting shots, they're shots that uh, he's in a good position and making that late run, and so the defense is a little disorganized. I think for Velarde, it is that aspect where he is often in the environment where Bob is putting him in that position to go forward, to be that impact sub more often than not. Um, He has had a couple of starts, especially earlier in the season, uh, but I think especially as of late, he's really been that guy that Bob's looking to to bring another dimension, especially in a game where Bob wants to see the offense turned up to a different level. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, a a little bit of both. Um, But, yeah, I mean, super impressed with the talent for both of these guys coming into the USL in their first uh, season right out of college and getting the playing time that they're getting. Um, so sounds like you've got your hands full a little over there with some, some noisemakers too, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I do, I do. We talk about the noisemakers on the river hounds. And, and, uh, and, different uh, type of hounds. Yeah, exactly. All righty. Well, just in, just in recap a little bit, just to kind of talk about it. So Charleston... We want to watch their goals that they give up. They've yep. given up 35 goals, about 1.4 per game. Um, so that might be an interesting thing, but their keeper is pretty good. So it's mm-hmm. kind of balancing those two, uh, their defense and uh, the goals that they give up. So um, they, the Hounds are playing better defensively. We've seen that. Uh, three straight clean sheets and uh, only 28 goals given up on the season. And their goal differential is about the same as last year. And then uh, I think we just watch the cards. I think we watch the cards that um, have been given. I'm not sure. I did not look to see who our ref is this weekend and if he's a little bit card happy or not. Mm-hmm. But it could be interesting because Charleston seems to give up those cards. So that's the kind of the stats that we've talked about tonight and we're going to be looking for this weekend. Yeah, and on that cards aspect, I was planning on uh, taking a look and seeing is there anybody that's going to be out for Charleston because of that because it was interesting. But then I realized, you know what, it's probably not even worth it. We're recording before they play their midweek game. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it could all change by the time we actually get there on Saturday night. So, Yeah, it was great. We spent all that time talking about Paco Craig last week, and he didn't even play in the game because he's suspended. And we we definitely uh, did not uh, figure out Hubbard quite right last week either. If we had only done two minutes more of homework, we might have seen that Andre Craig was out. But, oh, well. You know, we do enough work. Okay. We'll let somebody yeah, exactly. else pick up the slack. <laughs> exactly. We do all the homework in a day. Josh, so. Mike. <laughs> really? Pick it up. All righty. Well, that's all I got for you tonight, Justin. Well, thanks a bunch. Thanks for our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network. Go check us and other podcasts, a lot of other podcasts out at bgn.fm. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, leave us a review. That helps a bunch. Um, you can contact us, on, on, us online at Mongols on Facebook and Twitter and Mongols Pod on Instagram. Let us know what you think of our shows, the previews, the full 90, all of it. Let us know. We love hearing from you guys and hearing what you guys think of the shows. But until next time, have a great day. Ciao.